Hi, and welcome to my podcast, The Only Girl on the Job Site. I'm glad you found me. I'm Renee Beery, and I love empowering women to take on home projects, both large and small. I have been the only girl on the job site for the past 27 years, and I have seen it all. The good, the bad, the ugly, and everything in between. With my help, I hope you will be able to avoid the mistakes I've seen in the past and go into your project confident and knowledgeable about the industry so that your project is as smooth and successful as possible. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm glad you're here. This week, I hosted a live three-day series on renovation projects, focusing on the planning and executing of them. And I wanted to go through those details with you today in case you missed the live session. I host them a couple times a year. And the best way to know about them in advance is to be on my email list. So if you're not already a subscriber, please go through to my website and join the email list. And we'll make sure you're informed of anything we've planned in the coming months. I can't tell you how fun they are, the interaction with the people joining live, their questions. I never quite honestly know what direction it will go because the questions come from all over the place. And and I quite frankly love that part about it. But it's also a great way for me to share really detailed information about incredibly important topics that everybody comes across in renovation projects. So this series, I focused on budgeting and how to create one and how to maintain one, more importantly. Surprises, unfortunately, they happen on every project. I'm going to break down for you what types of surprises I'm talking about, because I think people only assume really significant surprises. And honestly, there's a lot of other surprises that can derail a project if you're not prepared for them. And then lastly, I wanted to go through deadlines. Deadlines are something that are really critical to hit, and that obviously impacts the length of your project. So, of course, you're going to be most interested in that because, of course, you want your project to end as quickly as humanly possible. So what I do in these series is I break it into days. So the first day, we talked all about budgets. And then there's a little homework, nothing big, but mainly it's just to engage you in the process to make sure you understand the main terms and the main information that was given that day. The second day is all about surprises. Like I just said, we broke it down into what kinds of surprises, what to look for in advance, how to react when they show up. And then the third and final day is all about deadlines. And included in all of that is a workbook to reference and go back and forth. So again, if you haven't joined any of these series, I highly recommend them because they are chock full of information that we don't offer throughout the year. But I want to make sure that everybody who does want that information knows about it in advance. So join the email list and you won't miss a thing going forward. Now to get started, budgets. If you've been listening to me for a while, or even a short while, you know that I talk a lot about budgets because they really are critical to the success and your overall feeling of how the job went. I have seen too many times where the project ends physically beautifully and the homeowners are emotionally spent and disappointed and grumpy and borderline angry about the process because they blew their budget. 
and they can't figure out who to blame. And so more often they choose the contractor. And while I'm not privy to all of the details of every project, I'm going to go out on a limb and say there's partial responsibility on the homeowner as well. And why do I say that? Because what often happens is someone will tell me that they have $50,000 to spend and then they proceed with their project. And that homeowner thinks that $50,000 is a budget, when in fact, that $50,000 is a not-to-exceed number, in my opinion. And a not-to-exceed number is incredibly valuable, but can't be treated as a budget until the budget is broken down. And the only way to break down a budget is research. And again, anyone who's listened to me for any length of time knows I'm going to use the term research at some point. And this is the critical point. So knowing the project you're going to take on, it is your responsibility to start doing research on the items that will be required to complete the project. Now, of course, you're not going to be able to go out and define the labor costs of things. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you defining the costs that you need to select. So for instance, if you are doing a bathroom, you're going to go out and you're actually going to find the tub, the faucet, the sinks, the toilets, the tile, the shower, the accessories, the lighting, anything that you want to see in this bathroom as a final product. And why is that important? Because I have seen too many times where people tell me I have $50,000 to spend And then weeks and months go by with them in their head thinking this is all possible. They go out and do their research only to find that they want to spend $30,000 in fixtures, tile, lighting, et cetera. And they haven't even found a contractor to give them pricing for the labor for the items that they specifically picked. And then they look at me and wonder what went wrong. Well, what went wrong is they put it backwards. They put the cart before the horse. They need to do the research on what they really want, or they may need to accept the fact that they have to cut back on the things that they want. And quite frankly, I would never encourage someone to take on a project and invest any type of money in that scale and then have to make concessions on the final product. So by putting the cart before the horse, you're really setting yourself up for stress, anxiety, and no doubt, disappointment. So going out and doing the research in advance of the things that you can control. And again, you will still need those components that only a contractor or a plumber or an electrician can add in. But having those numbers, those real numbers in advance will put you on the path to success because In the situation I just explained, if they knew that the items they selected were going to total $30,000, chances are they didn't have enough for labor. So they're given the choice of putting in more money, finding it in some way, or spending more than they had anticipated, or putting the project off for a few months and saving more of the money that they now know will be required to get them that final dream project that they've been planning for. So budgets really, I mean, I could probably talk budgets every day just to get this point across and how critical it is for everyone's sort of happiness in the end, and mainly to explain to a homeowner how much responsibility truly is in their hands, which I think should be a good thing, an empowering thing, that you do have the control over budgets. Because I do get the feeling people think, oh, Renee, I don't know, they're going to spend what they're going to spend. 
And with the planning that I explained, it doesn't have to be true at all. So that is really important. And we took a deep dive into budgets. Lots of questions came in because, of course, it's a hot topic for everyone. Anytime you talk about money, it's going to be a hot topic. Now, the next day, we moved into surprises. And of course, surprises can impact your budget. Now, I see surprises fall into basically two categories. One is structural surprises, right? And that's, I think, what everybody thinks of when they hear surprises. And I want to make sure everybody understands that there really is a difference. So the first category, like I said, would be structural surprises. The second category, I consider more like a design surprise or a mistake. So let's start with structural surprises. In truth, those are really hard to avoid. They are often not discovered until a wall is torn down or until some part of your construction has begun. So what do you do in those situations? Well, obviously you need to call in an expert if you don't already have one on your team to give you the full scope of work that will be required to fix it. Now, in some cases, that might derail your entire project because it may be a very large number and you're gonna have to use money that you have put aside for the project in order to pay off these structural surprises. And trust me, nobody wants that. And I know you're you're listening now going, well, I don't want that. But sadly, I don't know of a way to avoid them. But if you do have these structural surprises and you do have to derail your project, I would recommend that you start immediately scheduling it for a time period that your budget will have recovered from this surprise so that you have something to look forward to. And ideally, some of the team members that are now needed to repair or replace these surprises, maybe you can use them on your actual project that you want to start in a couple of months or a year out. And therefore, some of your homework, some of your research has already been completed. So maybe don't look at it as a total loss but it's definitely going to be a major setback. And again, I apologize if you're in one of those situations. I have been a part of them. It is not a good place to be. The best advice I can give you is to just dig in, get that all buttoned up, back to square one, and know that there is another path forward. It's just going to be a delay getting back on that path. So we took a deep dive on that. And of course, questions came in with structural issues that people had uncovered from dry rot to mold and mildew to cracked beams in the basement. I mean, they they just kept coming in. So they please know that structural surprises do happen. Now, the other part of surprises that I really want to talk about, because I don't think they get enough discussion, are what I would call design or mistake surprises. So a design surprise, what does that mean? I get a lot of sketches from clients where they've sort of done their due diligence. They've sort of measured things out in their own space that they say want to convert into another function. And then we review it, we look it all over. And when I go and start measuring, I notice that their measurements are off. Now, they may not be off by much. Um, I, on occasion, have clients that will round their numbers up and or down. And here's the problem. If I hadn't been involved and they had handed this off and their measurements were wrong and items were ordered accordingly, those are what I consider design surprises. 
So they're going to go ahead and let's say put in a toilet and a vanity, and they're a couple of inches off. That might mean when they go to install all this, or even in the demo and rough-in phase, they realize this and they say, hey, you can't actually do what you want to do. And to me, these are avoidable surprises. And I do see them happen often. So if you are not familiar with actually measuring and creating layouts, it is to your benefit to hire someone who is more capable. Now, I know you're saying to yourself, how hard can it be? Well, I'll be fair and honest. It seems to be a little harder than you think, because I do come across these situations where someone just sort of measured, quote, close enough. Close enough doesn't cut it in the construction world and can really put things off track when they're discovered along the way. Now, is this something that's going to derail a project forever? No, of course not. But could you lose a week or two while things are being rejiggered, redesigned, and double-checked? Yes, you could. And if your project is scheduled to run six weeks and you've just lost a week or two, you're now possibly looking at an eight-week project. And again, in the scheme of things, in the big world picture, that's not a lot of time, but it's completely unnecessary. So I really can't emphasize enough to appreciate your skill sets and then hire accordingly. And even if that feels silly to you, even if you think I should know how to do this, it's okay to say, I still need the help. Maybe that's the contractor. Maybe that's hiring a designer as a consultant to draw up a couple of items for you. There are lots of different ways that you can go about that process and still come out at the end with proper drawings that are scaled and correct so that your project will actually be what you've dreamed of. So the other part of design and mistake surprises can sometimes happen when contractors make mistakes. And again, we are all human. We make mistakes. Some clients mismeasure. They're human. They make some mistakes. Sometimes contractors mismeasure and they make mistakes. So while that won't necessarily add money to your overall budget, it could also add time. What do you do about that? Well, in the beginning, you try to mitigate those issues by doing your research, hiring a team with experience, running down those references like I'm always talking about, making sure that there isn't one mistake after another, job after another. So that's what you can do on the front end. On the back end, after they happen, you can be as open-minded as possible, coming at it with anger and accusations when you can appreciate that it was just a mistake. Now, if a contractor is doing something intentional, that's not what I'm talking about. I am talking about, again, maybe the contractor mismeasured. Maybe something was ordered incorrectly because, again, of a human error. These things do happen. And my best advice is to try to get through it as quickly as possible, coming at it with anger and accusations tends to prolong situations because trust me, the contractor will also be embarrassed and he will try desperately to rectify the situation as quickly as possible. So they do happen. And I think knowing the kind of differences between a structural surprise and a design and or error surprise helps lessen the blow of them if they do happen on your project. So that's why I think that is such an important topic to put out there so that everybody can be thinking about that, keeping an eye out for it, and then also feeling calm and confident if it does happen with what to do to get you back on track.
And then the last day of this series, we took a deep dive into deadlines. In my experience, clients focus only on the end date. So if a contractor says the job will be finished on September 15th, that's really all the client hears. They don't focus on the contractor saying the demo will take four weeks, the plumbing rough-in will take two weeks, then moving on to the electrical rough-in that'll take three weeks. They just don't listen to any of that. And I apologize if you do, because I have not come across many clients who focus on that level of detail, but you really need to. So in a larger project, a construction company typically automatically produces, it's kind of like a bar chart or a spreadsheet of some sort that goes through the flow of the entire project. And it breaks out what will happen in what time frame. And again, at the very end, you know, everybody looks at September 15th as the finish date. So if you are in a smaller project with a smaller contractor or mid-level contractor, they may not automatically provide you one of those. They have an idea, trust me. So my advice is always to sit down with the contractor and you create that. You walk through and say, okay, what are the stages and what length of time are you projecting them to take? So what is a deadline? For those of us who work or for those of us back in school days, a deadline was pretty hard and fast, right? If you were in school, a teacher said your term paper is due on Monday, it was due on Monday. Uh, If you're working and your boss says, I need that proposal done by Friday, the proposal has to be done by Friday. So I think people come into construction and think that same way. So if they're looking at a construction schedule and it says demo will take four weeks, They think it takes four full weeks, which is 20 days, right? Five business days times four, 20 days. It really doesn't work that way. What a deadline means in construction is it is based on experience, right? So the contractor knows how much is going to be demolished. He knows how many guys he's going to have, and he estimates from there. But it is just an estimate. So if something goes wrong, if two guys call out sick, or a truck breaks down and they couldn't get the junk to the dump that day or what have you, that estimate may slide a little. Now, it may slide only a day or two, and and that's not really the end of the world if you're talking about a six-month project. But if you're on an eight-week project, a day or two can really add up. A day or two can really impact that finish date. So again, that homeowner saying to themselves, September 15th, So if the demo does slide and it takes an extra two days, and let's say the next thing is the plumbing rough in, and for whatever reason, the demo is going to impact the day that plumber can start. So now the plumber starts three days later. Now, I can promise you that no one goes back into the plumbing estimated time and adds three days at the end. just doesn't happen. But you need to, because that plumber still is estimated at needing two weeks. Well, he still needs that two weeks. It just got pushed three days. So that's how this all snowballs. And then guess what happens? That September 15 date, maybe it squeaks out to September 20th or September 24th. And nobody's focusing on that until it's September 1st. And all of a sudden, the homeowner is looking around going, you're really going to be able to finish this in 15 days? And the contractor is like, well, no, because of X, Y, and Z. And you're like, wait, what? I do remember demo took longer, but but I don't know how this is all impacting the end date. Well, this is how. So the critical pieces to keep in mind are deadlines are estimates. 
and that deadlines can ebb and flow. Sometimes they're improved upon. Great. You've added days for the next guy to complete his work. More often than not, they estimate a little short and the project gets scooched out at the end. So if you don't have a project schedule handed to you from a contractor, it is really critical for you to make one up with the contractor so that you can follow along. Now, again, that contractor is not going to love sitting down with you because it could take a bit of time to get that all laid out. But it is critical information for you to properly manage the project. Now, what do you do with this information? You now know that they can ebb and flow. You now know that things out of everyone's control can stretch deadlines out. So this is where those weekly meetings come in. Even if your project is billed to last eight weeks, I want to see you setting up weekly meetings to go over things just like this. The meeting would look like, okay, hey, I'm looking at the schedule. You had estimated two weeks for demo We're one week in. How are we doing? Do you see us hitting that date or are we pushed out a day or two? Don't be aggressive about it. You're just looking for data at this point. Once you get that data, you can act accordingly. If you're pushed out two days, then you know at that eight-week mark, you just hit eight weeks plus two days. That's how you're going to have this sliding scale throughout the project. You might make those two days up in another phase of the project, but you might not. And the only way you're going to know it is if you manage the project and keep track of all of that. Now, trust me, the contractor may think that you are looking for, I don't know, like a gotcha moment, things of that silly nature, because they do happen. I have seen homeowners do that. It's almost like they're trying to set up a contractor to fail. This is not the guidance I'm giving you. I am telling you this so that your expectations are kept in check. And the contractor knows that you're a team member following along, looking for data and education. That is a winning solution. Setting up a contractor in some sort of a gotcha moment will totally backfire on you. And quite frankly, it should backfire on you. That is not fair to do as a team member. And that's really, I know you've heard me say this a hundred times, that's really what you should be. You are a team member on these projects. So as you can see, these three topics are really important to fully understand and implement for your own sanity, for your own success on your projects, since you will be doing the management of them. And why I structured an entire series to just dive into these three individual topics, budgets, surprises, and deadlines. And there are so many other areas that also need this much attention. So I will be planning more series in the coming months. And again, you need to be on my email list so you don't miss out on all of that really important information. But in the meantime, I hope you found this helpful. I hope this gives you strategies to create your own success when managing your projects. And as always, if you have any outstanding questions, feel free to drop me a line. I'd be happy to help you out and get you put back on the right track. Thanks again for listening. And I look forward to our next time together. Thank you so much for listening. Feel free to reach out to me. You can email me or direct message me through social media, and we can start a conversation about what it is you're going through right now. 
that will also help me come up with other ideas for future podcasts that I can share with everyone. As I assure you, we're all in the same boat together. I would really appreciate it if you would subscribe to my podcast and leave me a review. If you would like to find out more about me and what I can do, please go to my website, www.devignedesign.com. Thanks for listening, and I hope to hear from you soon.